0: Thanks for tuning in to the Tail Lights Podcast. I'm Eric Thormalen, and today I'm joined by San Antonio Johnson Head Softball Coach Jennifer Fox. Coach Fox, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing just great, Eric. Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. Absolutely. Uh, Coach Fox, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, where you grew up, what your parents did.
1: I grew up in Houston, Texas. I went to Cypress Creek High School and uh, Go kooks. They just played for a state championship in girls' basketball a weekends ago so proud alum super excited about that uh my parents my stepdad was just a salesman and anything that he could get his hands on very hard working uh grew up in Corsicana uh had nothing and has made a, a great life for my parents and my myself and my brother and my mom um just same she did not ever get a college education but she should have because she's so smart and uh, she just was very hard working and she just taught me really good work ethic from the time I was little.
0: Yeah, I've known a lot of people like that over the years that it it wasn't that they weren't smart enough to get a college education, there were other factors that came into play typically. And sometimes it's just, you know, maybe what your passion is doesn't require a college education, but it takes nothing away from how intelligent somebody can be.
1: Absolutely, and that was my mom um you no know, she got married at a pretty young age and had my brother and myself and just real dedicated to her family and uh and so that was just not in the works for her but again she's she's probably one of the smartest people i know and very creative and so i think if that avenue would have uh presented itself for her she could have been a great interior designer um something like that
0: yeah awesome well, yeah. uh, I know one of the things that obviously you're going to get into there uh, it, when you're in high school is going to be softball, correct? Yes. <laughs> did you did you do some other sports as well, or or? Yes, uh,
1: I started. I played volleyball and basketball in seventh grade, all the way through. Um, I didn't play volleyball junior senior year. Uh, I was on the basketball team and varsity softball team.
0: Okay, so, gotcha.
1: I just real involved in athletics.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I I imagine so, because as we get into talking later on about Bernie, and I know, uh, and, and I'll likely ask you a question that, that informs our listeners more on this and everything, but you were very into things that every other program was doing, not just your own, and so I figured you probably were involved in other sports as well. As, as we see a whole lot of shifting towards kids going kind of straight club or select and things, uh, you know, I think that's one of those topics that comes up a lot about um, you know, been involved in a variety of activities and building a well-rounded athlete.
1: It was imaginable and my stepdad was very knowledgeable about things and so it just got me real interested in the competitive spirit of all sports. And um, even when I, I went to UTSA to play softball and when I was there, we were friends with everyone on campus, you know, as far as athletes and real supportive of each other. And that just kind of carried over into my coaching career.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, you decide to go there to UTSA, go Runners. That's something we can definitely agree on. Um, there we go. <laughs> and and uh, did you go right to UTSA from Psy Creek?
1: Yes, I did. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, did you have the same coach all four years?
1: While I was at UTSA, I did. Her name was Chickie Mason. Okay. Um, she's a hard-nosed, old-school coach that oh. just, was down and dirty and gritty and uh I, you know at the time being an 18 19 year old young woman i didn't always appreciate uh, the things that she was teaching us but now as a coach and a and an experienced coach i should say um there are so many valuable lessons that i learned from her and i'm so appreciative of the time that i had there with her
0: yeah yeah that's awesome uh, and so, and I, I just ask that because sometimes, you know, if you have like a coaching change where you're at or something, you can maybe offer up some advice of like how to adjust to a new coach and stuff. That's always something that's valuable to some of our young listeners that might tune in. And, uh, but, but I, you have the same coach there all four years. What, um, what influenced you to get into education while you were there or was it before there? Yeah, I think it was before there, but it was
1: just validated when I was at UTSA Um, you talking about the younger athletes and if there's a a change in coach i think with the like in the ncaa now with the the portal that they can get in it and you know transfer every year if they wanted to i think that it has just made it so easy for kids just to have a a way out um like i said when i was at utsa i didn't always appreciate and value what i was being taught in you know at the time and we had some rough years i mean it wasn't you know in some rough days it wasn't all You know rainbows and sunshine the whole time but I think in life it's the same way I mean look at what we're going through right now as a society and a war in the world you know it's not always going to be you know the best of days and and obviously we have to learn hard lessons and and, you know get through time so um, we did have a lot of girls when I played at UTSA that they didn't stick around the whole time I think we came in with five freshmen and I graduated um, with one other girl that we were there for four years. And so I think there's value in that. And I don't remember the second part of your question. I'm sorry.
0: Well, no, that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's, that's the, oftentimes the reality of college athletics. You know, it's, it's a huge change, isn't it? From from high school it,
1: sports. It, it, yeah, it really is. I mean, it. you know, people can tell you, hey, it's going to be a job for you, and it's an everyday thing. But until you get there and you're living it, um, I think that young kids now um, – have such a, a bigger world that they get to see because of social media. You I know, mean, I follow so many college programs for softball and just seeing the daily life of what it, it, it truly is. You know, I mean, it, it's a grind. And and again, I mean, it's something that it's not for everybody, but I would not have ever traded my experience with anything else in the world. I love that time of my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the the other part of that question that I had asked was, you know who were some influences that um you know besides possibly your your uh, college coach there who were some influences that made you want to go into teaching and coaching and you said it actually happened before you got there but um but yeah i was going to let you list anybody <laughs> or, or mention that
1: okay yeah thanks for reminding me
0: <laughs> yeah no problem
1: um, yeah just all the coaches that i had growing up whenever i started sports in in middle school until then. I mean, I just known Uh, teachers and PE teachers and not really coaches. And so I think in seventh grade, my middle school coaching staff, um, they're the ones that really start kind of opened my eyes to that world. And from and I knew I wanted to be a teacher ever since I was little. And but then to be a coach, that kind of started in seventh grade, just because again, like I said, I saw the realization that I oh I can play and wear shorts all day long like what why would you not be a coach and a teacher
0: yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) and uh at the very beginning of your answer there for some reason it did break up just a little bit uh you know but i I think you recapped it when we came back around about being in seventh grade and and kind of come to that realization
1: yes yeah in middle school is whenever i realized as far as our coaches go that that could be a profession and before that I had never really thought of that and so my middle school coaches were awesome too if they if they would have been bad and given me a bad taste in my mouth about what that was then of course I I would probably go down a different route Um, they were so energetic every day and I don't know like being around middle school kids they're they're the it's the craziest time of their life and Mm -hmm. Um, I taught middle school and coached middle school for a year, and, and bless all of those that stay there longer than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's a that's a rough life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you find yourself enjoying this episode of the Tail Lights Podcast, please take the opportunity to rate us five stars and write a review if you can. When you're there uh, at UTSA, do you guys have any uh, any notable seasons or anything that you'd like to mention? Or I know you you said it wasn't always. Uh, you know, a perfect perfect world or whatever, but I'd I just give you a chance here before we move on to you getting into education. Anything else you'd like to mention from the college days?
1: Yeah, uh, we'd never won a conference championship. We always went to the conference tournament and and fared well there. And, you know, looking back now, people always talk about, oh, it's not really winning and losing. But of course, when you're in the mix of it, you always want to be the best and win games and win. One year we won 31 games uh, i think we were 31 and 20 was one of our best records and um you know looking back now it's not about the wins and losses it's about those relationships that i built and um we we did have some successful seasons and we had some hard times too like i said i think my junior year i was one I, we had one pitcher and that was me and um for a long time and then we got a girl that transferred in Kind of in the middle of the season from california and so that was some relief on the mound but um yeah as far as winning big games and big championships we did beat oklahoma one time so that's kind of something that i uh hang my hat on my sophomore year at utsa we were ranked 25th in the nation and that was the highest ranking that any team there had had up to that point and so that was exciting uh but like i said i look back now and just those relationships and 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 things are the things that stand
0: out to me the most. Yeah, I mean, and also just learning that value of hard work. I mean, you you don't you don't uh have to I don't think you have to necessarily win to learn the value of hard work to bring out the best in yourself and those around you. That is far more uh valuable than winning. Plenty of people win with, you know, they've got the talent or the natural ability, especially at lower levels. Um, but you know, especially when you get to a high level like that, or even the varsity level, I mean, you know, you know how hard it is to win. I know how hard it is to win. We both won once, right? Right. (laughs) It's, it takes a lot of lucky breaks. It takes a lot of the right things happening. You're depending on, on teenagers that, that can easily make mistakes. And you know, it's a, it's a crazy, uh, crazy business between eligibility, health, um, you know the number of times that it seems like somebody comes up sick right there around a big contest coming up you know meet or whatever or a game I mean those things really happen and uh, they can have a big impact on your season so it's uh, you know there's a lot more to what you do in in coaching athletics with with these teenagers and stuff than just winning much like with the college level that you mentioned there uh, absolutely and
1: now being a coach you know, my successes are when the kids are coming back and, you know, telling me about their college days and, and how well they, you know, if they go on to play, how well they do there. Or the girls that are, you know, because I'm old now, but, you know, they're married and having children and, and these wonderful, amazing lives of their own. That's the success that I love to look back on and see. And that's how I determine if we were successful or not. Of course, winning, you know, like we said, is amazing. And it takes away a lot of bad things that are happening, you know, it covers up a lot of stuff, but truly at the end of the day, the successes. Of, I mean, I have, I think I have four girls right now that played for me that either just had a baby or they're pregnant and I'm so excited for them. Like that, that's really a cool thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As as time goes on, you see a lot of the the bigger pictures. I mean, I've had a few teams that in, in hindsight, I look back on too, and, you know, we fell short of kind of what the season's goal was, but I don't think we could have gotten another ounce of milk out of that cow. You know, we did everything we could, and mm-hmm. and uh, so I mean, there's a lot to be said about that uh, when reflecting. So, how how as you're leaving uh, UTSA there, how does um, how does the Bernie job come about? Because that's the first place you're going to go, right?
1: No, I actually had two stops before there. I went to right out of college. It was December of '99 um that next spring I could have stayed and done my student teaching mm-hmm. or um I got offered a job at Marble Falls High School and so I went there for a semester and I drove back and forth from San Antonio to Marble Falls hour 15 minutes hard driving every day um I just got married in June of 99 and so you know being young it's like hmm, am I going to student teach or do I want to get paid and of course I want to get paid so I went there for a semester and then I worked at Spring Branch Middle School in the Valley area. And my husband worked there with me for a year. And then um, Terry Galt, who's a good friend of mine and knew him from UTSA, he called me one day and he goes, hey, we got a, a job opening over here at Bernie for a softball position. And I was like, I already applied for that. And they said that you know nobody called me and wouldn't return my phone calls. And I was just like, I guess I'm not the right person for the job. And he goes, no, you got an interview. Like, we're going to call you. And I was like, okay. And it happened whirlwind, super fast. Um, I had an interview on a Wednesday, and I had the job by Friday. So it kind of fell into my lap.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I, and I, I, he doesn't come up enough, I don't think, on this podcast. He has with uh, Stan Leach and a few others that I have interviewed. But Terry Galt is such a such an awesome guy, such a treasure there in Bernie um and so it's no uh no surprise that he was involved in in uh, helping to get you over there and everything and as as often happens with coach leach i mean i think he knows when when he knows who he wants and he trusts like the opinion of somebody like terry who obviously is sharp guy i mean look at what they end up mm-hmm. getting out of you <laughs> right yeah they do it quick a lot of value in yeah that.
1: i i agree and you know, I think nowadays there's not enough of that trust in other people. Like what you just said about trusting Terry and his opinion. You know, I think we rely on so many other outside factors instead of going with our gut feeling. And of course, I mean, it worked out for me. I'm so thankful that you know they took that risk because I had no head coaching experience. I was uh, twenty. I was twenty three, twenty. Yeah, I was twenty three, twenty four years old. You know, and and now looking back I'm like, Paul, oh, why did they give me that chance? But again, I'm <laughs> thankful that they did.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think there was a time where the society hadn't shifted to this blame society that we're that we're kind of in, I think in a lot of ways right now, where people blame a lot of things, factors on why this is not successful or that's not successful. Maybe I was naive to it back then or something, but I think that in a lot of cases a lot of people were able to make decisions more quickly and unilaterally 20 years ago or so than they can today because everybody tries to kind of hide behind committee processes because they don't want to receive the blame you know Uh but i don't know i mean that's just that's just one theory i have a lot of the time you know if somebody goes out and hires you you know you're coming in supported and everything and this you know the right person you know finding the right person and everything and you look at the results i've seen that so many times with uh, what coach Leach has done with a lot of the people that I've interviewed here that it, it, to me, it just, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: No, I agree with you. Um, you know, that, that movie Moneyball, and
0: I, I have no. I think I haven't seen that movie, but I know of the movie.
1: Yeah. So they, I mean, it's a baseball movie and they rely purely on stats and, you know, stuff. And it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying. You know, we, we just kind of lost track because there's so many ways to get information and so much stuff, you know, so much stuff out there. And so, like you mentioned the word bland. Um, I know, like, in coaching, uh, Patrick Murphy, he's, like, one of my freaking idols from Alabama. He's amazing. Well, one time in the College World Series, I mean, he's got this gut feeling that he needs to put this pinch hitter in. Well, he takes out an All-American. And they were down and they could, that could have been the senior all Americans last at that. And he replaces her with a freshman and to pinch it. And the girl ends up hitting a grand slam and they win the game. I mean, it goes back to kind of what we're talking about. Like sometimes we lose that human aspect of just how you feel and that, you know, that gut feeling and going with it. And, and I'll always remember that story. So anytime that I'm challenged with like a tough decision or I need to, you know, like you said, make a quick decision, I always go with my gut however I feel that's what I'm gonna do and then if it's wrong
0: it's wrong and if it's right then perfect yeah and I think if you if you're in a place where uh, they realize you're gonna be right more often than you're gonna be wrong I think that it's a it's a great way to allow somebody to operate and not micromanage what they do you know I mean I think a lot, lot of value in that because if you if find good people that can help and go out and, and find other good people that can come in to me you're you're you got a lot better chance than, you know, going through this whole process where uh, a, a lot of politics can get involved and, and people start trying to guess of what they want to say, you know, in these in these interviews and everything. I think a lot of the time, right. you know it's like politics, right? Somebody runs for president or, or Congress or something and everybody's shocked when they get in office what they do. But if you looked at their past record, you would have known what they would do.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, um, our head football coach at Johnson just left. He uh, took a position at Alamo Heights is going to be the head football coach and athletic uh, director down there. It's a great opportunity career move for him. And that was what he said in his interview. He goes, y'all, I can sit here and talk to y'all all day long, but how you're really going to know me is ask people that have worked with me and, and, you know, that I've worked for and, and what I really truly do. So just alluding to what you were saying, uh, you can talk a big game in an interview or, you know,
0: at a debate politically, but
1: truly your actions are are what people need to
0: look at. Right, yeah, because I've heard people coming out of that when when somebody gets a candidate somewhere that then, you know, nobody's really that happy with, and they say, how did we get this guy, or how did we get this girl, whatever, you know, and that's one of the responses Mm -hmm. is, well, you should have seen the way they answered this question in the interview. Well. Okay, that's that's how sometimes you get in, in situations, and I, I'm not talking about any particular candidate on here. I never do, you know, but uh, that's how sometimes we as a country or we as a state or as a local municipality get in situations is that we don't really look at the body of work that somebody's bringing to the table uh, when we consider the job that they're going to do and whether or not they're going to be capable for it. Right. So, and, and it's
1: hard It's hard when somebody doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, What what are you looking at then? But again, it goes back to what we were talking about, you know, finding out people, do they know their character and who they are as, as a true person? Maybe not in that role that they are trying to get, but just in general, you know, because I think that how I act here at my home is how I act when I'm at Walmart or when I'm at my school or on the field. Like, I am who I am all the time. You know, and I think a lot of people are, are that way. You can't you can't always hide from people and you can't always, you know, um have the wool covered their eyes all the time. Like your true character and personality is gonna show up eventually.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I completely agree. Uh you, and you said something about experience and everything with, with a candidate and you mentioned your own, like you wonder like how did how did they hire me? How did I get this job? sometimes i think uh experience is definitely a benefit and i i sometimes look at situations where somebody with great experience gets passed over in in situations and i think that's crazy i will say though too that there's a a passion factor that comes with being a young coach in this business that is also very hard to beat at times you know and Mm -hmm. you know at least what i saw when you came into to bernie and everything because correct me if i'm wrong Y'all were zero and ten in district when you first got. hadn't hadn't won. Go tell tell me what the situation was because I know it had been a long time before they had done anything even close to what you're going to be doing in a short period of time. <laughs>
1: huh. Yeah, I mean I knew nothing about the Bernie softball program. All I knew about Bernie was that they had car dealerships out I-10 from utsa <laughs> that's literally all i knew because um, yeah. i didn't grow up in san antonio and so um yeah they they had struggled a little bit and they were struggling just to get athletes to come out to play and for you know whatever reason and there was a great source of athletes at that school at the time which there still is i mean it's just a, a breeding ground out there wow. but at the time they were involved in other things and it was girls that were coming out for softball were just ones that they wanted to get a letter jacket or you know and i'm not i'm not trying to talk bad about them or demean them in any way it just it just was a time when people were not coming to the softball
0: yeah it was a lot more about participation than being a program there is a big difference
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and we still see that now um, at my school, you know, we've got girls that they've never played softball before, and I and I, I welcome them with open arms because I feel like in a public school, if somebody wants to put their life on the line every day and they're out there running around and sweating and getting bloody, you know, legs from sliding and stuff, if they want to participate, we're going to give them a place to do that. Nice. But You're right. There's a difference in the competitive spirit and the participation part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And y'all, y'all were much more participation, of course, uh, early on there in Bernie. H- how long do you feel like that took uh, to to start turning around?
1: Um, probably a couple of years. I know, I can remember some of the girls that played for me those first couple of years, and and they still hold a big place in my heart. Um, you know, I came in with these big ideas and thought I was going to change the world, and. Um, Actually, that was our saying the first year, be the change. You know, everybody talked about, well, we want this and we want that. Well, what are you going to do to be the change? And the very first day of practice was really cool. I don't know who it was. I'm sure one of the seniors because we had good senior leadership. Every girl showed up that day, first day of practice, they all showed up and put a note card on my desk and it said, be the change. And on the other side, it said, I am the change and I'm going to be the change. And they they would give examples of what they were going to do us during that season and so um yeah it was it was really cool
0: yeah absolutely i mean and and so that as you start doing more things like that and i've found too i think with girls a lot of the time yeah because i've coached boys and girls and i think with girls a lot of the time when you do things like list out goals and list out you know what what did you do that you can you make uh, females when they reflect i feel like they do it in a (laughs) Uh, and and that may sound sexist, or that I'm you know stereotyping one category over the other. But I think that that females tend to benefit more from you know writing uh, and in the process of reflecting. And guys just look at it as another chore. Oh, <laughs> well, absolutely! That's life in general, right? Yeah. Girls
1: are real touchy feely, and they want things to be written out and and, and real, Not that guys aren't task oriented, but. In that setting guys would rather just go out and see the results on the field or on the track you know whatever it is they, they just want to see that and girls want to see it in a different way so yeah you're absolutely right on that
0: yeah yeah so I mean you, you guys uh, y- y'all start to turn things around there and I mentioned earlier your involvement I remember you being very involved in what was called the dog pound will you tell uh-huh. our, our listeners a little bit about that and how that came to be
1: yeah, so the Dog Pound, and it wasn't spelled D-O-G, it was D-A-W-G, Dang. the Dog Pound. <laughs> um, we we got a group of students together and just started having theme nights where they would show up to games and they would dress up and uh, just kind of gave them a little, you know, school spirit. And not that there wasn't school spirit before, but I remember uh, one year we had to play. Uh, we played a lot of the volleyball games over at Bernie Middle School South and their gym, i mean i just remember it being so much bigger and that thing was full of students and it was just something for them to be involved in and you know i i liked it of course we got negative feedback from people just because you know you got something good and they want to bring you down but um the good thing was is these kids were coming together and they were excited about something they were supporting their school their community each other and it just it just kept growing and growing and um you know, instead of them going out and running the streets and doing bad things, it gave them something good to focus on. And
0: that was cool. I, I remember those times. I like the dog pound. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree completely. And I felt like, too, that, uh, you know, when more kids are invested, I mean, you just look no further than TikTok or, or some of these different uh, social media platforms. Kids are all about who's watching them and how many people are watching them. And, and you can nitpick all day on whether or not you think that's a right or wrong mentality but i will tell you there's a lot behind that theory and when kids feel like a lot of people are coming to watch their volleyball games they want to make sure they look good at them when they feel like they're coming to watch their basketball games they want to make sure they look good at them and so uh i think that the added eyes in the gym and we did have good support you know for years before that but that took it to a whole nother level i mean Some of it was ridiculous, but it offered those kids a chance, you know, to go. I remember, like, John LaFrenchie dressed up like a hot dog or a Twinkie or something, you know. I mean, just different people. It was so neat, you know. I mean, just how into the games people got and how much more. I felt like that had a big part in where Bernie Athletics really started to take off, too, because more eyes are on you. Absolutely. And then because we
1: had such great athletes, you know, some people cower to that. The more people that are around, they don't want to see that. They they want, um, you know, they don't want to be in the spotlight, but our athletes were amazing. And so, like you said, the more people that were there, the more they wanted to put on that show and that performance, and, and it grew from sport to sport. And I think that that's kind of, you know, why we had a lot of success in those years and not just while I was there, but, you know, in those years, in the early 2000s, the 2000s is because Success breeds success, and confidence does, too. And so, you know, we had success in volleyball and football, and it carried, you know, cross-country and carried over to everything else. And so, that, yeah, it was a real exciting time.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a there's pretty much a decade there from about 2000 to 2010 where I think you would really have to struggle to find something that Bernie didn't end up in the Final Four in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, and I, I think – I think though as 2010 came around and and I think you see this in in you know schools all over that that the new challenge is is a lot of social media and people uh, you know people's ability whether or not they could take an interest in what other people are doing then rather than just themselves
1: yeah that's something that we talked to our girls now about um, and especially back then because it was so new you know to, to everybody um, you know, now I tell my girls. I say, if you're gonna if you're gonna like a tweet about yourself, you better like three tweets with somebody else. You know, <laughs> yeah. like to promote other people. And, and our girls are real good about that. But um, you know, if people aren't careful, they can get real wrapped up in that and become very self-centered and not about the team. And um, you know, I think that they're still, even though it's been around for a while, the social media piece. I think that they're still learning. And things that can be said from parents and coaches and teammates to, to everybody all the time.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. How long does it take for y'all to win your first district championship?
1: Our first district championship, well, and, and this is a fun funny fact, not really funny, but um, we only won district one time, twice, um, I want to say. Because the year we won state No seven, we were second place. Alamo Heights actually beat us and they were the district champs. Wow. So, um I wanna say we once we won district in two thousand and fifteen. So that was my not fifteen, what am I talking about? Two thousand five. <laughs> that was my third year. And then we won it again in my last year, which is two thousand and eight. Right. But so we hadn't we hadn't won uh we were nine and sixteen nine and eleven my first year, eleven and sixteen my second year, and then the third year is whenever we finally made it to the playoffs. It took a couple of years for us to get into the playoffs. I think it was year three that we finally made the playoffs,
0: okay, yeah, gotcha, I mean. And it, it's uh, it's of course tough at that four A five A, which of course now would be considered five A six A level. A lot of people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents are spending money on their kids going to camps and and playing select and all, all the different things that are. Um, but they call softball select softball, right? They do. Yes. Okay, I didn't think I was behind yes. the curve on that, but just thought I would make <laughs> sure. You know, uh, so. No, it is. It, um. During that time, you know, it, it, I'll let you mention any players that you would like to uh, mention. If you, if, if you don't want to name names, you don't have to name names and stuff or talk about any particular game uh, that, that really stands out. I mean, obviously, the state championship game probably stands out. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'll let you uh, kind of have the mic on that. What's, what, what are some things that happened there at Bernie that, that are memories that players and, and uh, maybe assistant coaches or, or parents will want to remember forever?
1: Well, I just remember that whenever we started winning some games and the excitement that started happening, and um, I know our girls were really good friends with the baseball team just because the field, the proximity, I mean, it was right there. We hit a foul ball to go on their field and <laughs> vice versa. Right. And um, I just always enjoyed their relationships that they had with each other and our coaching staff um, with the baseball coaches. We always got along and, and supported each other. And you could just kind of feel something different. Um, I know that players that were instrumental in our state run, Sarah Corcoran, Ryan Chapman, I have a quick little funny story about them. Well, they come in as freshmen and Ryan thinks she's a shortstop. Well, she was, she had been her whole career. And Sarah had been at third base and it took all of one practice for me to go, y'all are switching. And they were freshmen at the time and they're looking at me like, what? I said, just trust me. I said, Sarah, you've got much much more lateral movement. You can play short. Um, Ryan, you are very reactive, and and you can be a better third baseman. I'm just telling you all. And the trust that those girls had in me and their parents um, was unparalleled. I mean, I I cannot tell you how they just trusted everything that I said. And you know, in any type of relationship, whether it be player coach or, um, you know, coach coach, whatever, you have to have that trust and they they gave me full trust in everything that we did i know in 2006 we made it to the regional finals and losing that game to dripping springs they had an amazing coach uh keith tuck he's since passed away but he did great things at dripping springs admired him and the way that he ran things and in 2006 we lost in the in the regional finals and so that next um summer we're having summer softball camp and this man just walks up and he goes hey i'm eddie Salas, i'm your new assistant and i go what he's like yeah i'm gonna be your new assistant coach And i was like okay well hey what's up well fast forward to now um my husband and i are the godparents to their middle child his wife worked with me at bernie for i mean at johnson for nine years uh their daughter their oldest daughter mia Salas, she's my right fielder left fielder depends on the day uh we have Basically become a family, and so that whole yeah, and so the relationship i mean he's had he's the head football coach at Harlan High School, and my husband is the head baseball coach there now, and so our relationship and and they've basically become family to us, and so that you know really stands out in my mind as far as coaching goes in Bernie um you know, just that change of getting Eddie there, and we had Roy Klein and he was a Bernie boy. And so that was nice to have somebody on staff that you know just knew the community and and knew the expectations of of athletics and you know just the old town feel i I really enjoyed that um some of the other players victoria beltran she was our pitcher she literally pitched every pitch the entire season which is phenomenal and uh shelby vaselka she's now a, a high school coach here in san antonio Uh, Chelsea Muskoff, she went on to play at Incarnate Word. Uh, Alex Yarborough, she went to a junior college and then ended up at Incarnate Word. We had an All-American center fielder that played at West Texas A&M, Kim LeCompte, and she ended up coaching with me at Johnson for a couple of years. And then our left fielder was Ashton Bonnert, and uh, she actually lives in Bernie with her husband and and two kids, and I think she's a nurse. And so that whole group, I could go on and on about that crew. But it was the crew before before them, you know, that, that was steadfast in what we were doing, not giving up because there were a couple of years there that would have been real easy just to be like, who's this coach and why is she so crazy all the time? But everybody just kept having that belief and, and they started playing softball more and it just became a, dip, a different atmosphere every single day that we were on the softball field.
0: Well, you know, uh, of course... I hung out with the Smiths a lot, you know, Jesse and Tommy and Katie and Philip. And I remember Man. Katie went out, uh, went out kind of out of nowhere. If I recall, she kind of went out for softball, maybe it towards the end of junior high or something. And she started liking everything. And then, of course, the softball program there was getting hot at that time. And she ends up also, I believe, on that on that team as well. Correct. Yes, yeah, she was. Katie, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you had and and I'm going to tell you like that was a basketball family, you know. Uh mm-hmm. I think her dad probably thought she was crazy to some extent when she wanted to go and play softball, but it was the kind of thing that was starting to happen for you too where people that were, you know, athletes and 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 the kind of players that that might have been uh this sport was their main sport but all of a sudden they could come out and they could do some sort of a bit role for you as well and really benefit what you guys were doing. Is that a fair thing to say?
1: Absolutely and Ryan and I failed to mention our catcher Caitlin Sutherland. Ryan Chapman and Caitlin were both on our varsity volleyball team for two years. Yeah. Uh, Actually Caitlin was on there for three years and so yeah that was what we were talking about earlier just getting some of those other athletes out from other sports and and Katie was definitely one of those. She was great on the basketball court. I loved whenever she put on softball pants and slid. She was our primarily a little base runner for us. Right. And it was important that year, we had a couple of girls that were very much role players. And anybody that knows athletics and teams, if you've got kids that are sitting on the bench primarily and they're not happy, they can be uh, detrimental to your team. And those girls, uh, Katie Smith, Lacey Paula, we had some girls that you know like i said they just hardly they didn't ever see the field but they were the happiest and the, the best teammates that anybody could could have imagined
0: yeah definitely I'm, there's so much value to be you know to be able to be in a situation where uh you can pick up athletes that can come in and and be inserted into certain roles because you know you've got a lot of like the stud players like Cabeltron and corcoran and, and different ones that you listed there and everything but when you start picking up those athletes and they're not a problem to what you're doing and, and even though they're only used in situational roles and stuff, I mean, that's when I think you really go to the next level on a lot of different uh a lot of different sports.
1: Absolutely, because then it makes practices so much more competitive as well.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and and Katie, I mean, she was right there in line to to play in the outfield and it was a competition every single day. And, you know, you're the good players are gonna rise to that. Either they're gonna go, Oh, this girl's she's on my tail well I'm gonna let her have it well then the other girl get her out or you've got that healthy competition every day which makes it better
0: yeah no question um is there anything else you want to share from from that particular group or do you want to go on to uh um you know your your decision to move on from Bernie towards Johnson
1: Well, I could talk about that group forever, but I don't think we have that much time. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Just one other thing that I'd like to say about that is we got inducted into the Pony Athletic Hall of Fame or Hall of Honor. Um, I'm not sure the term, but that was a really cool ceremony. The athletic department put it on over at Fair Oaks Ranch, and um, it's really cool. They had people, speakers, and they inducted it one team and a couple of individuals, and our our girls got to, to do that and experience that, so... Um, anybody that might happen to listen to this, we appreciate
0: that. It was a real big honor. Yeah, and I know a few of the people that I've interviewed here in the past—Stan uh, Leach, Bill Saltonfush, just to name a couple—are are on that committee. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them finds themselves listening to this episode. And I can't say enough too how appreciative I was when when uh, you know our team got inducted as well. There, I don't know uh you, you know how the timeline falls and stuff but it was a really neat deal in fact i'll tell you the worst moment of me ever being a teammate was when i went to the hall of honor i went in a limo by myself <laughs> <laughs> i could have invited my teammates but uh <clears throat> i decided you know what we did that as a team i'm going to do this by myself you know people go to prom in a limo and everything and they do all this crazy stuff in limos and i thought how often do you go into like the hall- high school hall of fame so i had to go all out that's just you are hilarious. And that right there is what makes you stand
1: out and be memorable to everyone. You are silly that's awesome. Why didn't I think of that?
0: <laughs> I told the guy uh I told the the driver on the way there I said, "Have, have you eaten lunch?" And he said uh he said, um, "No." And I said, "Well, I got an extra ticket I think for a guest and you know, uh if you want to come in and eat, man." I said, I "Tell you what, just make sure when you pull in here, you pull in like this a big shot in the back seat of this. And man, he did. He pulled up, you know, tires, and then he comes and opens the door and Coach Fulkerson and, and uh, you know, a, a few of my former teammates are walking up and they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. That is awesome. It, it was a good time. Uh, you decide, make a decision, I imagine, probably for family reasons and stuff, uh, to get a little bit further away from those Bernie car dealerships and go on into San Antonio, <laughs> right? What? Uh, yeah,
1: my we had we actually lived in stone oak which is over in the northeast isd area 164 281 we'd lived there forever uh we got married like i said in 99 and in 2000 we built a house and so um i knew that northeast was building a new school and it was going to be right across 281 from us and you know at no point did i want to leave bernie but for my career you know it was just something it was a new challenge for me uh closer to home And it it was just a a real exciting time, but it was also probably one of the most difficult decisions I had to make
0: uh, to date. Well, if you hadn't made it back then, you would make it today because that traffic over there in the Stone Oak and 281 region is horrendous right now, isn't it? And then couple that with the Bernie traffic, that's got to be two of the worst sections of traffic in in, uh, the San Antonio area. Oh, it's awful. Yeah.
1: And there's no no good way to get there. I mean, you could try... You know Blanco, the back way but then you got to go the speed limit and slow
0: down and be safe right. or you can
1: go sit in traffic on 1604 and oh man yeah, yeah
0: it's bad yeah i think <laughs> i think uh i think it's fair to say that for a long time you made a big sacrifice by making that commute and uh and you know i mean of course the the sacrifice paid off uh not only with you guys culminating in the in the the big success of winning a state championship, but also just in in all the relationships and things that you mentioned earlier uh, that you're able to build there. But at some point it is time to make a sensible decision for yourself. Um, Sounds like you made it, so.
1: Yeah, like I said, it was difficult and hard. Uh, The worst part of that was I had to tell my girls, my softball girls on the very first day of our game um, in the 2008 season, because they were announcing it at the school board meeting that night, and it was uh, in February, and so I did not want them to hear that from somebody else or read it in the paper or online or anything. And so uh that conversation was was not fun. But my girls that year, uh, like I said, that was one of the years that we won district, and so that was, it was exciting that they, you know, stuck with me. And and they're they're just so competitive. It didn't matter who was coaching them; they were going to figure out a way to win.
0: Yeah, yeah, no question. Um let's see here so uh, coming over to San Antonio Johnson what are some of the big differences going from uh, you know not that Bernie was a small district it was a growing one and everything and and uh, what what, so was your last year there was that before champion opened or were you at champion for one year
1: no so that was the other factor in it I could have gone to champion Uh and they were gonna close Bernie high down to do renovations and that was the same year that Johnson opened, so I actually never went to champion.
0: Gotcha. Okay, yeah, um, and I, I'm having trouble now remembering what my question was there. Oh, okay, yeah, what was the big difference between maybe going to oh. kind of a small, smaller field district to such a, a big Northeast ISD is is huge, right? I mean,
1: it is. We're we're one of seven high schools, and so that was the biggest change. Just trying to figure out all of these uh, rules that they already had in place you know, is well established and, uh, being new at Johnson was really kind of cool because we were all new there. It wasn't like I was going on to a staff that was established. I mean, we were all learning together, this new school, but as far as the district goes, the things that I had to get used to was I couldn't make any decisions based on just me, myself and my program. It had to be, uh, in line with what everyone else is doing. They do things very fair there. And, and that's hard because the seven high schools are in such different areas. But, you know we get the same budget and we get the same playing surface, you know, or we play at a district complex. Uh, so it's kind of hard to get used to, but I also, um, have really enjoyed it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that's kind of what's always been my, my, struggle with going to a, a district that has that many high schools in it and stuff it seems like the mindset sinks in a lot and you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to um, uh, of course as you work in a district with that situation but I just throw it out there as, as though you know to me one of the most special things about so many of the coaches that I had there at Bernie were were how unique different ones were and they were able to be you know, each program able to be unique and that coach was able to be themselves. And I feel like a lot of the time in places where you have uh, so many different high schools, you can't do anything that's more representative of your personality. And when you're doing something that's more representative of your personality, I feel like that passion comes out even heavier and you're able to impact kids even more uh, than when you're bottled up and put into, you know, "This this is the same label on every jar kind of a deal.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but um I think that there's ways that we get around that. For example, when I was in Bernie, you know, the girls wanted playoff shirts and I would let them do whatever they wanted. It could be any color, it could be any, you know, I always did always talked them into purple, but um because I wanted to look up in the stands and see, you know, purple. Right. But um, you know, as far as what was on it or whatever, and I think that we are stifled in that just a little bit because because like you said, there are so many different personalities and it could be a little crazy and we are representing a school district first. Um, but the way that I kind of add my own flair to, to my program is in my locker room. Uh, we have big old posters of every single year and girls that have you know gotten all district or all area or all state in our records. And, and so we kind of tailor that area in our softball field. Uh, we have some different things that are out there just for us. And so it does make it personable and, and my personality comes through, but it's just on a different scale, I guess
0: I could say. Yeah. It's finding an internal way to be unique to where, uh, you know, you're still able to, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying there. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, um, what are some of the big benefits of, obviously you don't have that commute that you once had, but, uh, what are some other benefits of being in a place like, uh, like a San Antonio Johnson
1: Well, oh, I've really enjoyed just growing um, the athletic program from the bottom up and watching, you know, it kind of reminded me of Bernie with my softball program. But that feel and that sense that, you know, of accomplishment and seeing the growth and everything, I, we got to see that in all the sports. And so it's just been very uh, rewarding to see that foundation that those first kids came and laid Uh, we had kids that came from reagan and MacArthur in uh, our first year Uh, the older ones the seniors were ones that chose to come and so that was exciting and then the younger ones were kind of forced to come and so that was very challenging at the beginning you know we had kids that were wearing reagan letter jackets you know for a couple of years because they had earned those at their other school and we were never going to tell them you can't wear that they earned that but it was very hard to get them in this mindset of Jaguars now, we're Johnson. And so now we've been open for 12 years. And so we're seeing these kids come in that have grown up wanting to be Johnson Jaguars. And so just watching that progression in every single sport and not even in athletics. I mean, I I like to be involved and go to the choir concerts and our, our theater arts department is amazing. And so I like to do other things like that and just seeing the growth and the change in kind of the mindset of we're not all of these other schools where Johnson has been very fun
0: yeah yeah absolutely let's see here a- anything you want to mention about any of your softball teams that you've had there I know you guys have had some successful seasons there um, mm-hmm. and as I looked on max preps a while back and stuff and was kind of reviewing some of y'all seasons and stuff but I'll let you just mention what you'd like to mention about your different teams there at Johnson
1: Yeah, so the first year we did not make the playoffs. Um, That was in 2009, the season, 2009. But since then, we've made the playoffs, knock on wood, every year. And we've won district, I want to say, seven or eight years in a row. And so we've been to the third round of the playoffs twice and been to the second round, I want to say, three or four times. So we've definitely had some success. And it's been fun because some years we have just booked
0: I mean, Co- Coach, it, it it cut UTSA. out. Coach, it cut out right there. You said some years okay. y'all have had Boo. Uh, I think maybe Boo coups of okay. talent. Uh-huh. Oh.
1: Yeah, some years we've had Boo of talent, and some years, you know, we were we're athletic, but maybe not great softball players just because they hadn't played, or vice versa. They played softball for a long time, but not at a very competitive level. Um, but w- we have always found a way there just to get things done. And again, it goes back to what I was alluding to with my Bernie teams, like the trust that these players have in me has been a, a blessing to me just because we're doing, and they really, truly buy in to our program. And all of my assistant coaches, I can say, have, have done the same thing. They just believe in what you know we're selling. And it, it's, it's such a nice feeling because I don't have anybody – that is, you know, balking at what we're trying to teach them. They just, they work hard every day. They're excited about what we're doing. All out effort and hustle and just no matter what, I mean, you might not be able to make a play or get to a ball, but you better try. And um, she had hurt her ankle and it was swollen up and big and, you know, sprained ankle bad. And we were in the middle of a tournament and she said, coach, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, you need to see the trainer. And so she goes to the trainer, and they said, you, you cannot play. Like, you need to get in the whirlpool, and we need to do, you know, some, like, stretches or whatever, just rehab. She went to the trainers, and they said, you need to do rehab, but you don't need to be playing. And she's like, but can I play? And they said, yeah, you can do whatever you want. So anyway, I'd already written the lineup out, and she was mad at me. And I said, Gina, I go, you cannot. She was our center fielder. I said, you cannot cover ground in some field like you needed to. And she goes, well, put me in left field. And i said all right this competitive little thing well anyway we're playing o'connor and a ball hit down the left field line and the fence is not close to where she started but i have a picture of her diving head first into a fence trying to get a ball now i don't suggest that at all to anybody but i have that picture on my uh, desk on my cabinet and i show it to any kid that you know if they don't go for a ball or whatever i go hey meet me in my office after practice And I've shown that picture probably to 155 kids just because it just shows the true. It's just a testament to what our program is about.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: She didn't catch it, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes you don't, but uh, you certainly won't catch it if you don't go all out trying to do so. And you said, because it cut off a little word there, you said it shows the true, um, maybe spirit. I don't know what the word was that you used because it cut it out there. The true uh, what of your program?
1: yeah uh the true character of our program
0: yeah outstanding coach fox anything else you'd like to share
1: well i just appreciate you having me and um it's always fun to go down memory lane and talk about things and next time i go somewhere important i'm taking a limo i know that (laughs) (laughs) even if it's by myself
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no doubt (laughs) it's the only way to go (laughs) Well <laughs> coach, I appreciate it you you are the first uh female that I've had the opportunity to interview here. I've asked several, and a lot of the times I get brushed off you know uh with um you know I've asked some elementary teachers and things too uh you know and some junior high teachers and stuff and I think a lot of their stories and experiences would be very valuable here and I think this has been a really good podcast interview. I appreciate you taking the time to do it
1: yeah, I appreciate you so much and tell all those females let's go.
0: Yeah. Get on it. Absolutely. If you come up with anything that you want to add to this after the fact, um it it's not a hard thing to do. So you just get in touch uh with me and we will do a quick recording and I'll seam that in here as well just in case, you know, if you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot Martha." You know, <laughs> I just give that as an example. We I got gotcha. you. <laughs> we can we can always add to okay. it. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you.
1: you.
0: All righty. Well, have a good night.
1: Thank you so much, and good luck to you, bud.
0: All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening, and please remember, if you could, to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Until next time.